Welcome to Healthcare 2030. This program features conversations and interviews with respected healthcare industry experts discussing the latest topics regarding current issues today and the future of healthcare, innovation, and technology. To learn more about Oxio Health, head over to oxiohealth.io. That's www.oxiohealth.io. Now here's your host, Noel Guillama. Welcome to Healthcare 2030. My name is Noel Guillama, and I'd like to introduce to you my uh, partner and co-host, Carl Larson. Hello, Noel. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Great. This uh, is about healthcare, so it's important. Well, I, as I told somebody uh, literally this morning, it, it is one of my passions. And I know it's a lot of work, and it's complicated. It's hyper-complicated. It's hyper-fragmented. It, it is something that people are incredibly concerned and you know we've talked before about in in American politics it's either number one or number two the economy's in pretty good shape in the United States so it's generally um, healthcare e- again either one or number two and it has been number one or number two for a very long time and I love uh, talking about it I love working in it I love trying to fix problems with it um, as we've talked in the past about you know the age of consumerism and is is hitting healthcare. Um, there's a lot of talk about different payment models in healthcare. Uh, one of our last podcasts, we literally talked about sort of Medicare for all. Um, and it, 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 for me, it's exciting. Uh, when I am using it, I complain just like everybody else. I literally ask, and this is funny, I ask the doctors what EMR they're using, um, what kind of payers they have, uh, what challenges are they having, are they having problems getting you know employees? So. It, they, they they look at me kind of weird, but I ask every almost every single doctor about something as to what's going on, um, because incredibly, it, healthcare is both incredibly dynamic and incredibly slow moving, which is sort of a paradox, right? An oxymoron. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's, there's good and bad in that. Uh, you know, Absolutely. But uh, we want to uh, discuss managed care today. Reach back into our last podcast. Uh, Medicare for all that you just mentioned, and um, bring that uh, managed care subject forward. Uh, I think it's something that uh, very few people understand very well, but I think it's something that people need to understand and now need to pay attention to. Uh, So can you give us a little bit of contrast with what's going on today? I think it's called fee-for-service and then managed care. Can you Provide us some differentiation there. Sure. Recently, I had uh, the privilege to speak to our Rotary Club here in in Wellington, and and the subject matter really was about managed care, and and the question was, what is it? How does it affect? Especially that you have many forms of managed care. Um, you have historically, back at the beginning of, of sort of insurance and healthcare, you had something called indemnity, um, and you had two parts of it originally. Blue Cross and Blue Shield were different, two different organizations. One was sponsored by the doctors, the other one was sponsored by the hospital. And basically what they did is they gave you basic coverage of, you know, $50 a, a day for hospital days, and then you paid the rest. It was sort of like a, what we would today call supplemental insurance. Uh, over time, they became um, in what, 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 what we would call today sort of full-blown indemnity, which is basically... They would pay um, 
80% of Medicare charges. So whatever the doctors billed, they basically paid 80%. You were responsible for 20%. Doctors, you know, depending on, on how many doctors are listening today or not, um, but the industry took a little bit of advantage of that. And they said, well, if we charge more, then we'll get paid more. And that lasted very little time because insurance companies said, oh, whoa, 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 that's not what we really mean. So they started capping it. They started creating networks. Um, and eventually you created something, uh, became prov preferred provider organization, um, hospital provider organizations, which basically limited the way that, 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 that the doctors were being, were being paid. Um, modern managed care uh, really started out of uh, the, the, what obviously was a worldwide problem, which is the, 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 the World War II um, pressures in the United States. And uh, modern healthcare, uh, managed care, was started by Henry Kaiser in the United States. And what happened was in the 1943, 44, 45, um, in order to fight in the war, the United States government put in price controls and basically effectively froze salaries because there was such a shortage of, of able-bodied men at the time that, uh, that, that if, if it had not, then wages would have gone crazy, production would have been a problem. We know now, and we, we, we recall it as a positive, is that a lot of women entered the workforce and, in fact, uh, probably made the difference in the United States winning the war. Um, but one of the things that they did is, by, again, by freezing salaries, um, Henry Kaiser wanted an advantage, and he still tried to find an advantage to build what were the, the boats that he was building in California. So what he did is he had partnered with a doctor by the name of Permanente. And the story goes, and, and I've read books that say it's a fact, but I'm gonna say it's a legend, because I can't prove it, that they went literally to Cuba, my home country, and they saw the clinic system in, 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 in Cuba. And at the time, the clinic system was a membership system, and it basically came out of the colonial times. And I can tell you, I was born in a place called the clinic. Um, but this clinic really would be like a small hospital. And the way that, 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 that they did it is my father uh, would pay a membership fee for the family, and the family got um, basically health care. They got you know primary care, specialty care, hospitalization as part of the membership, uh, what we would today call the premium. And they also got other benefits. And, it, it, and as, as you've got upward mobility in the society, you went from a very modest clinic, okay? I can tell you that I was born in a very modest clinic. My, my parents, newlyweds, you know, uh, I think I was born like two years after they got married, um, was a very modest clinic. My middle sister was in a nicer clinic. My mother finally admitted to me. And then my, my third sister, my last sister, um, was in, 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 in a very, very nice clinic. <laughs> so it was sort of part of the social uh, structure of society. Well, apparently, Dr. Permanente saw that idea, that sort of that membership-driven. The doctors were employed. It was all in a physical location, and it created uh, what we today know as Kaiser Permanente, which is basically uh, a system where Kaiser at the time employed the doctors, created the clinics, and provided healthcare services to his employees as a benefit of employment. That's really when sort of what, let's call it the modern managed care was was created. Now he had an incentive to do two things. One is to keep payment employees healthy, and second, doing at at 
the lowest possible cost. So that's sort of how the industry started and what we today call managed care. And for the most part, it was primarily based in, in California um, and did not see its next major evolution until the 1980s. In the 1980s, under President Ronald Reagan, there was a trial um, done with managed care for Medicare, and it was actually done here in Miami. The company was called uh, International Medical Centers, eventually called IMC, and a very, uh, I would say today, flamboyant CEO um, basically convinced the Reagan administration that they should pay a capitation for Medicare beneficiaries. I don't remember the number. I have it somewhere because I wrote about it before. But it was literally in the hundreds of dollars, and basically the government was going to was did pay this uh, insurance, and it wasn't really even called insurance at the time, but this insurance company um, a capitation uh, per member per month, and that's where the term per member per month comes out. And let arbitrarily say it was three hundred dollars, and they were basically paying three hundred dollars per Medicare beneficiary. At the time, they had to have, in order to create some stability, they had to have one commercial member for one Medicare member, okay? So it was not exclusive. So what happened is, because it was so lucrative for the Medicare part of the business, that premiums actually went down in sort of the, the private or commercial side because you had to have that ratio. Um, eventually, that was eliminated because they realized it was not necessary and it was maybe even counterproductive. So what happened is the managed care industry and Medicare started in South Florida. And that's one of the reasons I talk about managed care being such a big deal. Going back to what it is today. So managed care in the Medicare environment has almost quadrupled in the last, since I got into it in the 1990s. And I expect that it will probably double over the next 10 or 15 years, for sure. The reason why I advocate so much for managed care um, is unless you have some incredibly rare disease, unless you have something, uh, some you know, very aggressive type of cancers or very aggressive uh, cardiac conditions, I suggest, including my parents, we're both in managed care, in Medicare, that you go to a managed care company to provide your, your, your insurance. The government pays them the capitation. The capitation now is very complicated. And let me give you a complication. A number is because you're, you're a numbers guy. Medicare pays a, a different rate for every zip code in the United States. It pays a different rate for every man or woman in the United States. So those are sort of, let's call it now three variables. It then pays a different rate for every age of every woman, of every zip code, or every man of every zip code. And then it pays uh, between, you know, up to five, I think a number could be even six today, different variables based on a person's health status. So if somebody literally has nothing, they're perfect, 65 years old and they're in perfect shape, the government's going to pay them, at least in Miami, something plus or minus six or $700 a month. So, so that's, that's, um, that's, that's, that's and actually is amazing. And that's sort of rare. But if the person has high blood pressure, that's, that's now a modifier. If the person um, smokes, um, that's an amount of fire. If the person um, is overweight, that, that becomes a health issue, is a modifier. If the person you know, has COPD, has asthma, has any uh, sort of major issues, then those are modifiers. So now think about it. You've got that, 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 
zip code, right? Where there are thousands in the United States. Yeah. Uh, you've got now the male female gender, version right. gender. Mm-hmm. You have the age, let's say sixty five to one hundred, just to pick numbers, and then you've got these number of variables the government pays. So uh, the good thing about that is that that uh, incentivizes the insurance company or the managed care company to bring in patients that are not just healthy, okay, but patients that maybe need a little bit of work or need a little bit of maintenance. And the positive side is that to the extent that the insurance company can improve the quality of health of that individual, they basically create a margin for themselves, mm-hmm. which is which is why I like managed care, because they have a financial incentive to keep you healthy and get you healthy. Um, and, and, and also not to have costs. So you'll see managed cares, and I, and I have literally done this in my companies, create um, longer working hours or longer, longer opening hours for their medical facilities because they don't want their patients to go to an urgent care center or, God forbid, for financially, not just for the patient, is they go to an ER. In ER, most of the time, most patients do not need to go to an ER for the treatment. They could go see a primary care or an urgent care. So it's not like somebody's having, you know, God forbid, a heart attack. Yeah, absolutely go to the emergency room, that, that period. But most cases, again, in emergency and, and hospitals do not require, that people that walk into emergency room do not require emergency care um, for a, myriad of, a myriad of reasons. They can be treated in primary care or certainly an urgent care center. So they have a huge incentive to keep you healthy. Um, they have a huge incentive to interact with you. Um, as a matter of fact, Medicare gives them credit, extra credit or bonuses to make sure they have a physical every year. They give them bonuses for men having um, you know, a, a prostate uh, test done, for women uh, having every, I think it's two years, um, a, 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 a mammogram. And there's a bunch of other lists. Sort of Colonoscopies. Uh, colonoscopies. So all of these things are, are, are rewarded um, by points and also premium. So they get bonuses. The better the documentation is, the more the bonus the managed care company is. I, I find it remarkable. Um, and I guess what I find remarkable is that the government is able to manage the calculations of all of that. I would expect they turn that reward system over to American Express or somebody that can well I can actually do the numbers so I uh, and I'm being facetious obviously no it, you're right yeah. and, that, and that's one of the things that you and I talk about a lot and and and, and is about we we have barely seen technology scratch the opportunity in healthcare and part of that is that what you're talking about the government uses most of the time third parties to do the processing um, Medicare, that I recall, does not actually process a single bill. They use, I think, uh, five or seven, depending on the number, last number, of uh, intermediaries, fiscal intermediaries, that basically receive the bill, process the bill, and crunch it. For example, uh, Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Florida has historically been one of the major players in that field. And then basically Medicare reimburses them. Uh, and they're doing all the calculation. But the calculations are, are, are literally mind-boggling. So let me give you an example. When we managed five or 6,000 Medicare lives, we probably had four or 5,000 different premiums. So, it, so yeah. it, it, because you have all those variables, okay? If, you, if, you, if you're going across a bunch of different zip codes and a, a bunch of different age groups and all kinds of healthcare conditions are getting different. Um, but there was opportunity, and we as a company, for-profit company, had a huge incentive 
to basically hold the hand of the patient, follow up, call them. The difference between managed care and fee-for-service is literally the generally the incentives are aligned between the managed care company and Medicare and the beneficiary. Sometimes managed care companies will use company-owned centers, which I have built for managed care companies, and they bought some that we built. Um, they could use independent doctors. They could group, group doctors. Um, but the, the incentives are generally aligned so that the the uh, insurance company or the managed care company will reward the doctor um, for meeting those guidelines that the federal government sets uh, that that is sort of a quality measurement. Think about it as as a star system. You know, it, it's four stars or five stars. As a matter of fact, you know, when certain really, really, really good HMOs get literally sort of five stars from the federal government for Medicare. They're incredibly rare. Um, in South Florida, the, I know there's one. There may be a couple or three. A lot of them are four, which is good. Five is really rare. Um, I would not recommend... Um, both as a professional, and, and, and I'm not giving advice, but I do have an insurance license, I would not recommend anybody go to less than three stars, or three, actually even three stars. There's a lot of uh, in the community that are four stars, a few fives, that's where you want to be. And that's where the big, big ones are almost always four. And they will do anything they can to make sure they stay four, they'd like to have five. It's really hard to do it when you have 100,000 users because it, 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 the, the pool is just that much bigger. Um, so my advocacy has always been that if you're 65 and you're not independently wealthy or cr- maybe even crazy wealthy, that managed care can give you the service that you have. Um, and there's a lot of different benefits that you get in managed care. By the way, it, it also applies to commercial and even Medicaid. We could talk about that separately. But mm-hmm. talk about Medicare, uh, there are a lot of benefits that, that a beneficiary can get that normally are not covered by Medicare. Um, besides, in Florida, they'd have zero deductible, effectively, um, or incredibly small deductible. Um, uh, that's a big benefit for them. Uh, they get uh, better tr- uh, coverage for eyeglasses, better coverage for dental, uh, better coverage for, I want to call it paramedical, uh, which can be chiropractic care, acupuncture, all kinds of things that would make you feel better. And I think that the future of, of managed care is going to be basically even better. And and so we're working on a project that I think will be even better. And that, that project is to basically treat the patient back to the way my parents were, were treated in, in Cuba, which is as, as a country club membership. It, it's, it, it's not, you know, it's not the drudgery of providing care. It's the pleasure and the opportunity to provide care. So if you could create a concierge-type feeling for the Medicare beneficiary as part of managed care, I think you could reinvent the wheel. Um, there are companies that are trying, um, and but most of them are not that way. Most, most of them provide great service, great care, but literally not that, what you might call the red carpet service. Right. I mean, imagine some of our friends that manage these you know, high four- and five-star hotels. Imagine if you could provide that feeling. Okay. The VIP status. The VIP status in managed care, Medicare, would be phenomenal. Um, and, and, and I would recommend it, and, and, and I, I have zero problem in what I know today that when I'm qualified for Medicare that I would probably pick, one again, one of those four- or five-star plans. Um, I, might be, I might be a more challenging consumer <laughs> because I'm 
I would argue, sort of know what to say and how to say it and and push it. But but they provide good care and good services. Um, and then and the interesting thing about managed care is that it's also being applied in in commercial insurance. So in commercial, and you were going to ask that, so yeah, I got I ahead of it. Yeah, you 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 read my uh, read my script. Here. So in commercial, you have uh, you almost have very little of the indemnity plan, which used to be that eighty twenty that we talked about. There's some of it. Most of it now is is in, in what's called a PPO, which is a preferred provider organization, which is a hybrid. It doesn't really have managed care. There's no, you, you may not even have a gatekeeper, which is normally the term that's used for managed care, a person that's primarily responsible for your care, your primary care that is indirectly responsible for everything else. He, he's a coordinator of your care. In a PPO, you're sort of self-directed care. And most of the time, PPOs are people that are healthier. They're literally working age, they're working for companies or corporations or, or government or you know unions love PPOs because it gives you a hybrid. It is a, basically the, the providers uh, through the insurance companies or directly if they're self-insured negotiate discounts so that they control the cost a little bit, which is important, but it also costs a little bit more than, than, than managed care would as a have. But in, in, in many big employers, they have all the options. They have multiple PPOs and they have multiple managed cares. I don't, I don't see much indemnity. And then, and then last and not least is managed care has been growing dramatically in the Medicaid world. Uh, and Medicaid are people, the people, beneficiaries of Medicaid are generally, number one, are children um, are covered. So if they're not covered by their parents and any other insurance, they're generally covered uh, under Medicaid, certainly in the state of Florida where we live. And secondarily are people that are, that are of, of, of no means or limited means um, that are for sure below the poverty line, sometimes the ratio is a little higher, even 200, 300% of the poverty line, that are beneficiaries to, benef- to Medicaid. In some cases, you can have what's called dual eligibles, which are people over 65 that uh, are also uh, of limited means, and they qualify for Medicaid. So in that case, that, that 20% that applies to Medicaid, that 80-20 that we've talked about before, doesn't apply to them because Medicaid picks up the difference. So those people, uh, individuals, get 100% free care between, between Medicare and Medicaid. They're called dual eligibles. Um, and they're also as it's sort of becoming a little bit of a household term in the United States is sort of social determinants of health. Um, Becoming, becoming a, the, the people that are dual eligibles have a higher need uh, for health care. So because of social determinants of health, because of poverty, because of where they live. So it's be, in Florida, for example, 100% of Medicaid is offered by managed care companies. And uh, that has allowed the state to control cost, um, allow the insurance companies to provide more intensive care, um, and I don't mean intensive like in a hospital. I mean intensive quality of care, man, more managed care. And I would argue that overall it, it has become a positive for the beneficiaries or the people that are getting the benefit. And uh, it, 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 to the insurance companies and to the providers, it, it gives them a flow of patients. So there's a guarantee they're going to see X amount of patients, and that's why they negotiate their rate. Just like sort of, you know, the... There is not normally a free market in healthcare, no matter what anybody says. Uh, as we've said before, half of all healthcare is controlled by government. Either government pays for it or government, you know, covers its employees. But in, in, in a in a free market, 
you have when you have managed care, it allows for a little bit more commerce to go based on quality or based on price. So the view I have after what you've said is that a managed care company has a goal to keep or to make their their patient healthier. Absolutely. Uh, and and, it, and and so the reward then is both to the to the managed care company and to the and to the patient or the or the beneficiary. So it would seem then that that would it just suggests to me that that uh, a managed care company would look at other ways to provide a a, 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 a a an ability for their patient to maybe see a doctor in later hours. You mentioned that uh, a lot of them are staying open later, um, but this could lead to other other areas in technology, for instance, that that you and I have talked about previously, like like telemedicine and. But even before that, even just physician house calls, I think we're starting to see that coming back. Uh, but then telemedicine will will provide an even broader opportunity for that. And then, and then further down the road is smart homes and, and wearable devices that that provide now a closer connection of that that beneficiary, that patient, into that managed care company. Sure. I mean, we've talked about in the podcast before about the growing. A baby boomers demand for healthcare. We've talked about technology and the opportunity technology can play. Now talking about managed care, to be honest with you, brings it all together. Because managed care companies have, because of that incentive, a tremendous uh, opportunity to use technology to both reduce the quality of, co- of health, uh, reduce the cost of healthcare while increasing the quality. So telemedicine is now showing up in, in, in managed care. Um, IOT is showing up in managed care, especially in Medicare. The smart home is going to be fundamental. Um, all of those things, all those technology tools are going to be of value. Um, and, and IOT, I love it because you could you could be able to predict or, or see events that are happening with a patient on a real-time basis and take action for it. The, the idea, let me give you a, a bad example, but the idea that someone uh, could be home and, and having um, some, some pain in their chest or in their stomach and think that it's indigestion or heartburn when in fact they could be having a, you know, a, a cardiac event would be monitored by you know, a, a IOT device that they would have would say, okay, this is a real problem. Or your person could go to bed and also wake up with a massive, you know, post-massive heart attack, and now you've got a bigger, bigger problem. Versus if if it was early detected, they could go into the hospital. Um, they could be given medication to thin their blood. They could have a stent installed. They could literally, sort of see into the body or feel into the body before that major cardiac event happens. So I I would I'm very optimistic on the use of technology in healthcare the use of technology in managed and, care. And managed managed care actually is pressing that forward to Absolutely. make that happen. Well, yeah, see, because because again, when you're in a sort of fee for service environment, there's no one at the helm. The, basically, the doctor sees you, send a bill to Medicare, and Medicare pays for it, and, and 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 even commercial theoretically sort of PPO pays for it. 
when you're in a managed care, someone is financially responsible. Someone wants to take action. So they could very easily say, this person meets the criteria to have an IoT device, to have an Apple Watch, to have a Fitbit, to have a, you know, somebody who's a diabetic, um, you're going to really, really want to know their weight and what's happening with their weight. If they're gaining weight, you know, the, losing too fast could be another issue. Could be, yeah. So blood it, glucose, all of those All things. of gl- blood glucose. If they could check their blood glucose three or four times a day and have it sort of aggregated in the cloud and connected to the EHR, um, would be transformative. So I believe that all, that's why I, I have said, and I, I haven't said it in this podcast yet, that, that I think that the most exciting period in history of healthcare, modern history, right? Um, even going back to Kaiser Permanente that we talked about, even talking about Medicare in 1965, even talking about the, the, the emergence of the HMOs and managed care in the, in the early 80s, I think the most exciting time is actually in the next decade. As you blend consumerism that we've talked about, mm-hmm. as you blend technology that we have today available, as you blend in technology, IoT devices, 5G, EHR, PHRs, uh, uh, telemedicine, all of those things are happening at the same time that the baby boomers, which is the most advanced uh, retirees, okay, as far as technology in U.S. history. I mean, I, I, I remind some of my young friends that it was our generation that invented the 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 iPhone, the cellular phone, uh, the tablets, uh, everything that they love in technology and, was and, invented and, by and, our generation. And we, are able, and we are now taking advantage of our. And now, advantage. now yes. we're taking advantage of that. So, I am very optimistic about the future. I think that in the next ten years, we're going to have a huge leap in the in the. What's well, a new of, plateau? Really, is what in, it in is. The, yeah. in, 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 in what is going to be the provider base? And we talked in the past about Medicare for all and nationalized medicine. All of those things um, I don't think are realistic for the United States at all. However, we can, and we probably will, I predict, is move much towards, much more towards a consumer-centric right. okay, uh, managed care Transparency, price. All of those, all of all of those, those come right price transparency with, dramatically changes when you have managed care. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I think it's been very informative. I I think that people now listening to this podcast are going to have a much better idea what managed care is about. And when they hear the term, they're not going to think it's for grandma and grandpa. It's for everybody. Now, generally, managed care is going to be great. I think historically, some people would talk about insurance companies. They're, they made money by not paying mm. you know, uh, uh, claims, right? <laughs> in, in managed care, it, they're, they're, it's not that way. Mm-hmm is they make money by keeping the consumer, the patient, as healthy as possible for as long as possible. Right. So right. That, that, that's no longer the issue. And, and a lot of times people talk about managed care, they think about that, that scenario. Right. And today's modern care company, uh, with the government rating and with all of the consumer, and, and honestly, even, even social media, boy, you better provide right. good quality care. Uh, that's, uh, everybody wins. So. Well, I think it's been a good subject. Thank you for the questions. uh, And uh, thank you for all you listening. We hope you'll join us next time. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To learn more about our company, please check out our website at oxiohealth.io. That's www.oxiohealth.io.